Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Joni Stahl's Field Notes. I'm really glad to be here today. It's Sunday, and I thought today is just as good a day as any. If my heart is stirred, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is, but I'm going to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the move of his Holy Spirit. So I want to welcome everybody back, and I want to welcome all the new subscribers, all of you to what I refer to as this little green pasture. And I want to thank you for all your prayers that you faithfully pray for this little green pasture, as I do not consider this to be my own, but his. So on his behalf, I am here. I find that to be a great privilege and an honor. So welcome and thank you for viewing. Well, I'm going to get going with a prayer because I want to really dig into some things that are on my heart and I'm going to do it Joan style. Like I always say, um, I'm just going to let it roll. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I want to thank you for the privilege and the honor to be a vessel filled with the excellency of your power, of your knowledge, so the power may be of you and not of me. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. I thank you that you live in us, that you bring to our remembrance the things that Jesus teaches us, that you are ever living and working in us to make us conformable into the image of Jesus Christ, taking us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory, to grace, all of that. And I pray, Lord, that you will have the preeminence here, that the powers of darkness be held back and bound, and that your flood of glory will be poured out upon the dry ground of everybody that listens. I pray ears be opened and eyes be opened that they may see you. And that they will be able to say, we too have been eyewitnesses of his majesty. To Christ be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, like all of my messages that I give, I put a lot of thought and prayer into them. I don't, if you guys know me, if you don't know me, I don't just give what I call junk drawer prayers. And I call it that because Everybody in their house, mostly everybody has a junk drawer where everything gets thrown in there. And if you're looking for a rubber band or scotch tape or uh, whatever it is, you want to go to that drawer and you dig through it to try to find something for the in the meantime. And that's just not how I do things. And I want you to know that everything that I speak to you about, it, it's it's in prayer, it's always in the room of prayer. So my prayer today is that you will hear, not me, but you'll hear the voice of your Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm only a vessel, but Jesus Christ is the living water that pours into this vessel. And I pray that the rivers of living water will flow into your vessels. And I think that those that are thirsty, he says, um, 
yeah, Isaiah 44, verse 3 and 4, he says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. So Jesus only feeds those that are hungry. And we need to be hungry for Christ, especially for what's coming on this world. And I usually don't come up with the title of my messages until I'm really editing. And, you know, everything is prayerful. I make Jesus part of everything. I don't just say, okay, thanks for giving me the message. I'll take it from here. But I'm talking about all the editing, the artwork, everything. And But I name, I'm naming it, There is a Great Storm Coming. And we're all aware that there is a great storm coming. I have had many dreams throughout my whole life, even from my teenagerhood, when I barely knew Christ. I could pretty much say I pretty much knew nothing at all, but God immediately was giving me dreams. And I didn't know what to make of them. And so consequently, through my whole life, I have had dreams that I have seen come to pass. And I'm not going I'm not here to share those dreams. I'm just talking about the dreams that I've had of this nation. And that goes way way back decades and I'm seeing the very things that I wrote those dreams down some I didn't. I have perfect memory of them of a storm coming. Significant dreams where I saw a radical storm coming in in those dreams. They weren't just storms that we see, even horrible storms in the natural where we say, oh boy, that's going to be a bad one. No, because when, if you're familiar with having dreams uh, from God, uh, there is a distinction and you can, you wake up and it's 3D. You never forget them. It is crystal clear and they're alive and they don't ever go away because everything that is from heaven is forever. I mean, it, it lasts. There's no, well, I kind of remember and it faded away. Everybody I know that has dreams from the Lord, they will tell you the same thing. They'll say, it is as if I just woke up from that dream right now because I can give you details, sharp imagery. And so I'm just saying that there is a great storm coming upon this land. Over the last three days, again, I really start praying. I really start seeking the Lord about a message. And I'm open to the Lord. I'm open to him for whatever he wants to say. And that's all I care about these days. Not what I think, but what does God think? What is his mind and heart about everything? And so I began to really look to him. And and there was a couple nights in a row I really didn't sleep. And last night, I barely slept at all. And yesterday morning, I I said to him, I said, Lord, I can't shake this feeling. I cannot shake this sense, this knowing, this feeling. I don't even know if there is a natural word word to put on it. That there's something you want to say. There's something you want known. And I just stayed with that and I stayed open to it. I felt wave after wave of that coming upon me. And then I started to remember a particular dream that I had about a horrible storm coming and that I was told in that dream by this man that's always with me in my dreams that there was just a little time left and the storm was raging and 
and the waters were flooding and and I saw the map of the whole United States carved on a big flat white rock that was about a foot underwater that I was standing in at the ocean. And when I tried to erase it with my hand thinking, this doesn't belong here, that it cut my hand and my hand began to bleed. In other words, I will, it, it, in other words, there's no erasing it. And I felt this horrible doom. This message is not about me keeping you in that place of, oh, dear, what's going to happen? Like I was saying to my husband this morning, and I was explaining to him about how I was feeling. I said to him, I said, you know, Jonathan, I lay in bed last night, and I've been truly thinking, not just last night, but always, how do your how do the people, the Christians of this world, they're so divided in this world. They're so divided that everybody is convinced that they're hearing from the Lord. It is so divided that there, I can, we can't even call it the United States of America. It's called the divided states of America. And as I'm getting older in the Lord, I less and less see anything in this world that I want. I'm not enticed or seduced by the spirit of this world. I I have been enticed and seduced by the spirit of this world. And I can tell you that was the best lessons I ever had because now at this point in my life, there is a strength in me that's resolute and ironclad. So yesterday I was reading Mark chapter 13. And if any of you are familiar with chapter Mark, uh, Mark chapter 13, it's the same um, as Luke 21 and Matthew 24. And it's when the disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, what is the sign of that coming? And what of the, t- at the end of the age? And what's the, what is it going to look like? And so in each of those books and in those chapters, the Lord tells each of them, What's going to happen? Well, they were all there anyway at the same time. They're synoptic gospels. Three people heard the same thing, but they there's different things that each of them heard. So when you read all of those synoptic gospels, those passages, you can see where there's added things that maybe Matthew didn't catch, but Mark caught. And what Luke didn't catch, Matthew caught and so forth. And so I'm going to get into that a little bit today about the division, about the storm coming, and about what it really means to prepare. And I've spoken to you quite a bit about preparing, and I thought there's only one way to prepare um, spiritually, and there is a way to prepare physically. We've already covered that, right? Store up a bunch of food as much as you can if you're able Um, And the spiritual preparedness, um, I see that it must be spiritual. And I would say that should be probably uh, something more that we need to be prepared for because anything can happen to the food that we have saved. And I saw this word in Romans chapter 2. It says, To them, verse 7, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. 
you know, I thought there is a continuance. There is a continuance in what we're doing. You know, I think of Daniel when when he was thrown into the fire, into the lion's den. In the morning, the king Darius came and he said with a lamentable voice, "Daniel, Daniel, is the did the God whom thou serve continually?" Did he save you? And he said, yes, O king. You know, this entire Bible is about salvation. It really is about salvation. And it's it can be chopped up and sliced and diced in so many ways that the overall powerful message is God saves. God is faithful and he will save you. Yesterday, let me begin with this, because like I said, I'm going to get into the whole division thing, and I'm going to just let you see where this is going about preparing, how we prepare, and what does that look like. And I'm going to just let the Holy Spirit move in me, okay? He has absolute permission. I saw an article yesterday, and the title of it is Fire Guts Historic Church Home to New York Fire Guts Historic Church Home to New York's Liberty Bell. Well, that caught my attention. And, well, actually, a friend of mine sent me that uh, article. So thank you, Francis. So I wanted to read the article, and I really was taken aback by it. And I'm not going to try to say anything about it. I'm going to read it. It's a short thing. But I want you to hear something in it. And this is really what took me off on what this message is today, okay? And I'm going to add the link to the bottom of this description box so you can read the article yourself. A historic church in Lower Manhattan that houses New York's Liberty Bell and whose congregation dates to the city's earliest days was gutted by a massive fire early Saturday that sent flames shooting through the roof. The Middle Collegiate Church in the East Village burned before dawn after a fire spread from a five-story vacant building adjacent to the church around 5 a.m. Flames shot from the roof and the church's stately front window glowed from the conflagration inside. We are devastated. We are gutted like our building is gutted. Our hearts are crushed like our doors are crushed, said the Reverend Jacqueline J. Lewis. But we know how to be the church, and we know that God is God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The fire department said in an Instagram post that there were four minor injuries to the firefighters and so on. Built in 1892, the church is home to the oldest congregation of the Collegiate Churches of New York, which date to the Dutch settlement of the island in the 1620s, according to the church's website. So this is basically a Calvinist church, but this is the part I want you to hear. The Middle Collegiate Church had been in the two other locations, had been in two other locations in Manhattan since 1729. The bell tower houses New York's Liberty Bell, which peeled to mark the birth of the nation in 1776 and has since been rung for the inaugurations and deaths of American presidents and events such as remembrance of the September 11th attacks, according to the church. I'm going to stop right there. You know, when I saw that, I said, well, okay. So that bell, that same bell 
field to mark the birth of this nation in 1776 and has since been rung for the inaugurations and deaths of American presidents. You know, when I saw that, I really was blown away by that because I said to myself, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe sometimes stuff, I believe stuff burns down all the time. But you know, isn't that interesting, especially where we are? And I think I'll leave that with you. But I think it speaks for itself at the same time. Like, does it really need interpretation? I think you all get where this is going. So I really began to toss and turn. And I again asked the Lord last night. I just lay awake and I said, how do your people hear you anymore? What are they hearing? Are they hearing what they want to hear? Or are they hearing what is written in your word? Because you see, this isn't to pastor bash. There's a lot of good pastors out there. But I don't have any problem saying that the vast majority of pastors have dropped the ball and they warn none of their congregation. It's life as usual. But we have a great shepherd, Jesus Christ, and he wrote everything down in here. So that we wouldn't forget, so that we would know it. And it's not just a historical piece of work. It's alive. And this is what we need to be feeding on. And what, what has happened through these generations is division. Now, something caught my eye is the word divided. Let's start with Matthew 12, 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? We see here in Mark 13, 8, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Verse 12, now the brother shall be, betray the brother to death and the father, the son and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. So I counted nine things that really, because I was asking the Lord, show me, Lord, show me. I'm not asking you to show me things to come. Everything is already written about what's coming. But Lord, show me what you want me to see. And he showed me that Satan is divided against himself and his kingdom is not going to stand not much longer. Satan does not have full control over his own kingdom. We see this in Mark 5, 7 through 13, because it says Satan's kingdom is divided against himself. So that's number two. And Mark 5, 7 through 13 is a gathering demoniac. Remember Jesus, 
he went over the Sea of Tiberias or Galilee and goes over to uh, uh, Gadara. And there was the man who had the legion. And when Jesus said, come out of him, what is your name? He said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And this is interesting because those demons, that that principality, that terror, not principality, that territorial spirit. Let me just go there instead of trying to read it. He asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them out of the country. Now, there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, Jesus, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. So Legion lost control of his legion of demons. Where they, because it says in James 2.19, you believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I don't think Christians tremble. They say they believe him, but there's no fear of God in them. They don't tremble. Demons tremble. They know who Jesus is. And they know who the greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. If you truly cleave to Jesus Christ and read his word and feast on him and eat of the bread of life and drink of the living water. So we see that they besought him, begged him. They begged Christ. We don't hear of Legion anymore, though I know he's still on the earth. Let's keep going. Number three, nation against nation or ethnos against ethnos or group. And, you know, most of us tend to look at when we see nation, that word ethnos doesn't mean kingdom. A kingdom is Russia, China, America, Africa. That's a kingdom, okay? So nation against nation. The exact meaning of ethnos has to be determined by the context in which it is used. In this case, Jesus is speaking of the end times and saying that ethnos will rise and fight against ethnos. And the meaning that fits best is people groups that are united by kinship, culture, and belief systems. In other words, group will rise against group. The Greek word translated as group is ethnos, which has a large number of different meanings. These include the meaning that we feel fits best in this context. It's a group of people united by kinship, cultural, and traditions, like I said. So it can be a mass of people, a company, a troop. You get the idea. But it's not... Our nation against another nation. It's our own nation divided against itself. So there's kingdom against kingdom, city against city, house against house, brother against brother, betrayal to the death, the father against the son, the children against their parents. You know, when I looked at that and I made that list, I looked at all nine of those things and the Lord showed me. It doesn't stop at Satan being divided against the stop. And it doesn't stop at a kingdom being divided against itself or a city or a house. The Lord showed me in my heart, things are about to get worse because it's going to go into the households of people. It's going to be house against house, 
brother against brother, and it will be to the death. The father against the son. I mean, it's going to get down deep because when things start getting very heavy and the transgression, which is heavy upon this land, there is going to be um, a lot of serious trouble in the lives of people in the United States. That goes to show for the whole earth. And so I really said to the Lord, you know, God, there is, what is the focus? What is the focus for the body of Christ? Because you see, people are going to do what people do. When people get desperate, haven't we seen what happens when people get desperate? When people get desperate, even the most law-abiding person will think nothing of stealing if they have a crying child at home or they're hungry. We know, God knows, Satan knows the depths of depravity of what this old man, Adam, this people in the flesh are. And so the Lord is showing me there is a great storm coming. And this great storm is not, and it's it starts at government levels, but it's going to go down into everybody's house. So where there are no human resources available, because listen, there's going to, there's people that have written to me and have said uh, in comment threads and an email saying, Joni, I heard your video. I'm a single mother. I have three children. I barely have money to feed them. I go hungry. And I don't know what to do because I don't have any money to buy food to store and supplies. And, you know, most people are in that condition. There are people that can move away and go to another state and dig an artesian well and and be self-contained. The majority of people cannot. We can't. We can't just pick up and go. We are week-to-week people, and I'm sure you're a week-to-week person. Praise the Lord. He supplies all of our needs, right? But I want to get your attention because, you see, where there is division, there is a certain destruction. It is certain where it says in the beginning, every kingdom, which would be this nation and all nations divided against themselves, It is brought to desolation. It is brought down to desolation. And then every city or house, it won't, it says it shall not stand. You notice that there's no in between, like there's a way it can stand if it's done. Division. See, Satan understands that division, but it starts in the head, at the head. And so Satan understands division because he himself is divided. He himself is divided. So I was really thinking about this nation as a ship. Many people have. We all reference the Titanic like, oh, yeah, the Titanic, it went down no matter what they did. It was supposed to be some great ship. And, you know, I was thinking about Acts 27 when Paul, the prisoner, was turned into chapter 27 when Paul was prisoner. And he wanted to make his appeal to Caesar. He was handed over to Julius the Centurion. Julius the Centurion took Paul and certain other prisoners. And they went from port to port to port. 
and they were looking for a certain ship that they would board that would take them to Rome. And I have done a study on Acts chapter 27 before, but this really spoke to me. And that's the beauty of the word. You can read it and it could minister to you 10 years ago in a situation in your life. And 10 years later, the Lord is showing you and applying it to something going on in the world. And I want to just read a little bit of it because it says here that while they were sailing in that ship, it says they came to a place called Fair Havens where there was a city of Lycia. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. And they happened to be sailing during the storm season. So that's why it said it was already dangerous. Paul says unto them, Paul admonished them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, but uh, not only the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. You know, Christians have a, that are born again and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they perceive by the Spirit. They're like, it could... You know, it could look normal to everybody like, yeah, well, it's this time of year or we've seen this before. But, hey, we've been on this boat before, you know, the captain and he knows what he's doing. But the prisoner, Paul, was going, "Mm -mm, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. And many of us Christians that are truly born again. It's not just that we're reading a bunch of articles and we're watching the news and we're seeing what's be, or we're hearing what's being said to us through YouTube videos. We have eyes to see and it's all about seeing and we're watching and I'm a watchman. So I am watching what's going on. And do I perceive? Yes, I perceive it. You have to be dead in the spirit not to perceive that the ship America is going to be with much hurt and damp, much damage. And we're on that ship. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which are spoken by Paul. Notice how Christians are like, come on, you know what? You guys are always doom and gloom and you're calling stuff out. And hey, I will, I will be honest though. I think that there was been so much damage to people having all these false prophecies that never came to pass and people who were sincere and listening to that going, well, maybe I should listen to that. And they saw it never happened. It did a lot of damage, but God will use a prisoner and say that prisoner full of the Holy spirit and say, I perceive that there's going to, this nation's going down, but the owner of the ship Uh, They believed, let me go back. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things that were spoken of by Paul. And so it goes down here further to say, and when the south wind blew softly, because it was winter, let me go back. And because the haven was not commodious to winter, to winter, and the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and that lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close to close by Crete. 
Notice how there's always a reprieve. Well, you know, we saw the stock market shoot down. We thought that was the end, but look, it's record-breaking red banner at the bottom of the breaking government-controlled news. The stock market is back up. We're going to be okay. The stock market is back up. And it is really shocking to see how many Christians live by looking at the stock market numbers. One day the stock market is up and they're so happy. They're like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Do you see the stock market numbers are up and the Dow Jones is really good and the S&P has never looked so good. And then a week later, it's shooting back down. Next thing you know, they're like, Lord, we know it's, you know, destruction is upon the land. But they're not looking at the one and only Lord Jesus Christ. They're not looking at proper prophecy. They don't understand it correctly. And most people just live by the standards of this world. And then, and then apply a Christian cloak to it. It said, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. See, not long after there arose a great tempest. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Read it for yourself. But the one thing I'm going to say is no matter how hard they tried to save that ship, and they did so by seven things of their own hands. It said, first, when they saw it coming, well, we'll lighten the ship. We'll just we'll we'll make some adjustments over here and lighten the ship because no one wanted to believe what Paul said what he perceived in the spirit, like, look, there's going to be hurt and much damage to the ship. And there's many lives on this boat. And then the second thing it said, it says, then they cast out the tackling because the storm was growing worse. And then it said, they cast out the wheat, which was costly. So they're getting desperate and they're throwing out what is costly. And then they commit themselves unto the sea and those that could swim. It says in the ship destroyed in the sea and the rest cast themselves on boards and broken pieces. And I'll, I would have broken that down into how I saw it in seven things. But look, bottom line, it got darker. It got to a point where it got so dark. It said, on the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood there, stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now... I exhort you to be of good cheer. Notice he's exhorting them to be of good cheer. And it's, they're in dire straits. All of them have no hope. It has been dark. They can't see the sun. They can't see the moon. They are thinking, we're all gonna die. He says, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with thee. 
Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. And so when they got closer and closer to shore, they were sounding it to see how how close are we to land. And finally, they just the ship was falling apart. Everything that they tried to do was falling apart. And they just said, jump off the boat. Whoever can get there on land that could swim, let them swim. Who couldn't swim, let them float their way to shore on the debris. And not one life was lost. And I want to say this because you see the folk. What, so what should the focus of the body of Christ be? Listen, there may come a time where there may be no human resources available for you to store. Nothing. But you know what we have? We have the word of God. And I'm not talking about an intellectual thumbing through the pages. Because if you are truly born of God, you have been feasting on the blood of the lamb. I'm not the blood. You've been, I'm sorry. You have been feasting on the bread of life and you have been bought and purchased by the blood of the lamb. Do you think that God who sent his only begotten son to die a horrendous death and shed his blood for you? Do you really think God is going to let you go? And I know that so many people might say, yeah, but look at the people that have been martyred. Look at the people that what's going to happen in the future. What, you know, if you, if you were really, I'm going to answer that in a second. If the food that you're storing up, which we have some, you have some, so anything can happen to it. But the food that we have stored up, we store up and make sure to continue storing up until we're so strong in the faith that nothing is going to sink us. See, this ship is sinking, but you don't have to sink with it. And it is high time that God deserves, that Jesus deserves our fullest faith in him. If you store up the word of God, then the Lord God, remember, if I, if you abide in me and I abide in you, if my word abides in you and you abide in me, then you shall ask whatsoever that you need and it will be done unto you. The Lord doesn't want you guys. He doesn't want me. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want any of us to be tied down to this world. Don't look at it. You're going to have to cast all of your future and everything into his hands. And you're going to have to learn to trust him. Because you see, your salvation is eternal. Remember what he said unto the Israelites. Never forget when he said unto them the night before the last and dreadful 10th plague. He said, kill a lamb, everyone for his own house. And take the blood Take the hyssop, dip it in the blood, and put it on the lentil lentils of your doorposts. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Remember what I said to you. Let me stop right there. Every kingdom, every nation, every city, every house divided against itself. The house won't stand. Every kingdom divided itself shall be go into desolation. Every nation divided against itself will be destroyed. Every city, every house. 
that is divided shall not stand, but hath an end. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the judgment on that land were awful judgments because they were falling upon an idolatrous, sinful nation, Egypt. But the people were secured because they heard Moses say that God told him to tell them, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And you were purchased by the blood of the lamb. And he sees, when he sees you, he sees you through the blood of his son. That's why he listens to you. Because of the blood of his son that always cries out mercy. The blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of the blood of Abel. And that an everlasting covenant. Don't forget, God is a covenant keeping God. He made an, a covenant to Abraham. And you know that Abrahamic covenant belongs to us as well as the Jews. So those come with conditions. Let's look at one condition. Let's look at Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 15. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 30, verse six. And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee and shall return unto the Lord thy God and shall obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thine soul, that the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee And from thence will he fetch thee and the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed and thou shalt possess it and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers and the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live and the Lord God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee which persecuted thee and thou shalt return and obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. And the Lord God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good as if, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord, thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, 
And if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment, which I command thee this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it afar off. So I want to say to you, when I when the Lord is saying, do all these commandments, hearken unto his voice. I'm not talking about keeping the law. We're under grace. But if you love the Lord, you're going to naturally, the law is going to be in you. You're going to do it naturally. Because you see, what you're storing up in you, the word of God, is going to be that powerful force in that day where the ship is sinking all around you, but your life will be spared. Your house will be spared. God will see the blood on you, the blood of the only begotten son, full of grace and truth and mercy. You know, I look at these words of Samuel Rutherford. If your Lord God, if your Lord call you to suffering, do not be dismayed. There shall be a new allowance of the king for you when you come to it. One of the softest pillows Christ hath is laid under his witness's head, though often they must set down their feet among thorns. And one last one is from the Fox's Book of Martyrs. There was a pastor who was in prison for a year and they were about to take him to the fire and to burn him at the stake. And he left a note with his wife, which read, this has been the garden of Eden. This has been like a palace. I have never known Jesus more than I have known him now. Jesus came into my cell every day and because of his presence, he made it a palace. Jesus says in Isaiah 51, verse 6, you know, I'm always telling you to look this way up. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax old like a garment and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever. And my righteousness shall not be abolished. See, God meant for you to live. He means for you to survive. And not to go running from one wet rock to another. And not to be chased by the enemy around the United States. God has not put you to flight before your enemies. God stands on your behalf for you. Jesus Christ sits on his throne that he may be the great high priest and and, and, uh, apostle of your profession of him. Because if you are truly of his, he will stop at nothing to save you. God is a God that saves. He is a God that gives. He's sincere in every word that he has spoken to you. And that promise that he told Abraham in chapter 15, verse 1, in a vision, Abraham, Abraham, I have become thine exceeding great reward. And in Greek, you know what that means? It talked about money. 
your money, you know, work that, you know, I, you can look it up yourself and I probably should have had my notes, but it doesn't matter because you see, God understands you got to live. He understands that you have to pay for that roof over your head. He understands that you got to feed your kids. He understands you're hungry yourself. And see, we can say the Lord stands at our side and can say too that we can be of good cheer though it will get very dark and the sun won't shine by day, neither the stars at night. But we can also say, Lord, we are of good cheer also because you stand by us at night and you tell us not to fear that our lives will be, will be spared, though this there'll be wreckage around us. So look unto the Lord. Your salvation is secure. His righteousness will never be abolished and he will watch over his word to perform it for his name's sake. So don't be afraid about what's coming upon the earth. Today I was talking about somebody who was in, somebody was saying to me, um, well, it looks like the blue is going to win. And I thought no one wins. Christ wins. That's how it goes. Jesus wins. We win with Christ. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And this government is like any governments that have gone before. The Jews set over them kings in the Hasmonean dynasties of the Judean kings. And many of them were wicked. Look at Manasseh. Look at Asa. Look at, I, I can name a few of them right now, but look at them. There were wicked kings over God's own people who were Jews, who were from the 12 tribes, one of the 12 tribes. And they became idolatrous and they became wicked and they became murderous and there was treachery. Why should we be shocked today that a wicked man is going to rule over this nation? Maybe we will see. I, I firmly believe, I do believe it. God let it happen. I believe God will allow it to happen because Jesus Christ and his governor govern, government rests upon his shoulders. And we're not, and like it said, when they were in captivity in Hosea, in Lamentations chapter four, this was when they went into captivity. And it says in Lamentations, for we looked all day into a nation that we thought could save us. And they said that in captivity. So begin to look up. Begin to look up. Whether you believe whatever your eschatology position is, I'm not even speaking about the rapture. Because if the rapture should tarry and we go through some stuff, I'm not, I, mean, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, the, the, the rapture, they just want to escape. It's like, you're talking to the wrong person. Because there's a million of us out there that believe in the rapture and we're not looking for an escape hatch. Well, we're sorry, like Hezekiah. Well, at least there'll be peace and comfort in my days. That's not how we are. We're valiant for the truth. I know I speak for the heart of millions of those that believe in the rapture. Yeah, we believe in it. But while we're here, we want to be powerful for Christ. We're going to stand the test of time. We're not looking at all our losses like, oh, we went through so much. Satan tried to get me caught up in that a couple of weeks ago. Where I was like, oh my gosh, that's right. That happened, that happened. And then I praised the Lord in his face. And I said, I praise the Lord God most high. 
as he delivered me out of all my fears and he delivered me out of all my troubles. Look, the angel of the Lord encamps about them that love him and delivers them. But you have to love Jesus Christ. You have to love Jesus Christ more than you love this world. You have to have to love Jesus Christ more than you love this nation. Because your life is not guaranteed another day. And it's not, it's Jesus Christ is the one you're going to spend eternity with. And that's a long time. So put the Lord first to love the Lord, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness is the order for the Christian every day and every night. So love the Lord, love the Lord, thy God with everything you have and throw all your weight on him and be those that are always in communication. Pray without ceasing, pray and not faint. Let your voice be heard on high. Sojourn in the heavens in prayer. Prayer grasps eternity. And the more you pray, the sharper your mind will get. Paul was a praying man. Daniel was a praying man. Abraham was a praying man. All those men were praying men. And those great women were praying women. And they saw another country. And they didn't want to go back to the ones that they left. They were like, no way, uh, uh-uh, no way, man. I'm waiting for the one for the city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And when there will be torture and imprisonments and people that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, it says they were sawn asunder. They were tortured. The dead, the women didn't want their dead brought back to life again. They, they, they wanted The ones that were in torture were saying, no, we want a better resurrection. You see, God is going to be glorified in the fires. He's going to be glorified. He told told, uh, Pharaoh, he said about it in Psalm 106. He said, I raised the, I raised him up to make my mighty power to be known in that land. So you see, don't be afraid if a wicked ruler rules over us. I believe God's going to let his mighty power to be known in the land through people like you and me and prisoner Paul. So I'm ready. I'm as ready as I can be. And if I need to be more ready, the Lord will see to it. And the Lord will see to you being ready, but you got to love the Lord and you got to stick with the Lord and you got to read the word. And when that day may come in your life, you will say a thousand will fall at my side and a 10,000 are falling at my side. A thousand is falling on my side and 10,000 on my other side, but it's not going to come nigh me because the Lord whom I serve and whose I am visited me this night. And told me to fear not. And to be of good cheer. Though all is black. Amen. Because the Lord is the light. In us. And the light shineth as the day. And greater is he that's in you. Forevermore. Than he that's in. This temporary. World and sinking ship. God bless you. Keep your eyes looking up.
and press forward to the upward call of the prize that's in Jesus Christ, our Lord.